0: the Marathon Medic podcast. My name's Amy and I'm a junior doctor and running coach with an interest in sports medicine. This podcast series focuses on sports nutrition and today I'm joined by Dr Stephen Mears, a senior lecturer in sports and exercise nutrition at Loughborough University. Stephen's research interests include fluid balance during and following exercise and so we're chatting about the importance of hydration in sport. So hi, Steve, and many thanks for joining me this morning on the podcast.
1: That's all right. Nice to have you. Uh, Nice to have me on. Thank you for for the invite.
0: That's okay. Um, So we're going to talk about hydration today, but you're a runner yourself. So I think it might be best to start with um, just learning a little bit more about your running background and and what kind of running you do at the moment.
1: Okay. I'll say at the moment, not a lot, Uh, uh, slightly injured, but um, my background is is definitely in running. I've been running since I was 10, 11 and keep going. I'm still still doing some competitions at middle distance. So my my primary goal is um, 800s and 1500s at the moment, maybe moving a little bit higher. But I've always had interest in, in running as a sport and immersing it completely, um, following all the races, following the marathon. I train here at Loughborough with the squad that we had, formerly under George Gandhi until he sadly passed away last year. Um, and so I compete for Charmwood in Loughborough and also Harrow in, in British League. Um, and then I suppose my, my running background has kind of led me to some of my research as well, but I suppose we'll get onto that. But we do a lot of work with some of the marathons as well.
0: Yes, yeah, so would you mind sharing about your, I guess, your professional background and then how your, how your research uh, interplays with running?
1: Okay, yeah, so I'm a senior lecturer at Loughborough University. Um, my title is uh, an area of sport and exercise nutrition. And it all started probably from my interest in sport and. Um, the fact that I wanted to do something I was interested in. And so I did my undergraduate degree in sport and exercise science at the University of Bath. I did an industrial placement there where I uh, worked with the British Olympic Olympic team um, and then progressed onto a PhD at Lusborough under Professor Ron Warren and Dr. Susan Sherriff. Looking at hydration and exercise, I think the behavioural aspects of fluid intake and what drives fluid intake during different types of exercise. And then I did some uh, uh, research position at Loughborough for a year where we looked at the medical conditions in marathons, so looking at exertional heat stroke, um, looking at exercise induced um, exercise um, e- associated hyponatremia, uh, and looking at factors along those lines and how we could do some research on those and that led me to my lectureship position at loughborough, where i'm now doing um, work in hydration and performance uh, hydration and kidney health and looking at also carbohydrate metabolism metabolism as well for endurance runners
0: does your research affect how you train and how you run or is because it's kind of mainly focused on marathon distance you don't feel the pressure when you're doing your middle distance races because i think some of the information that you must find must be a little scary
1: sometimes sometimes um i think it's it does to a certain extent. I think about what I eat beforehand. I think about caffeine as a stimulant before I race, um, getting a double espresso in before before a 1500-meter race. Um, I think about hydration to a point, but for such short distances, it's probably not that crucial. It might, might even be a bit advantageous to be a bit lighter, but there still needs to be some work done on that. Um, I think if I moved up distance, I think I would definitely – really start to think about what I what i was eating a bit more and how i was fueling and, and trying different things
0: so it's a little bit of a broad question um but how important is hydration in performance and I, I guess how how does hydration affect performance
1: it's very important um we see um hydration from from several aspects in terms of optimization there's obviously the being hydrated before you go into a competition and there's also what you do for your hydration status during a competition. Um, before exercise, it's important to be what we would term optimally hydrated. So um, in a state of you hydration um, by drinking sufficient fluid so that um, you are you're not starting in a negative state. And we've seen from several um, research within our lab and anecdotal work with teams that most athletes, a lot of athletes do start dehydrated. Um, so they're already a, a disadvantage before they go. And then during exercise, uh, particularly in in prolonged endurance um, events, we always talk about um, a level of dehydration that you can lose a certain amount of fluid before you start seeing negative effects on performance. This is often, this is in the literature class at about 2% body mass loss. So if you're a 70 kilo person and you lose 2%, that's the sweat loss of about 1.4, 1.5 liters without replacing any. So as soon as you go below that 2% threshold, sort of suggests that that's when you get a performance decrement. I mean, what it tends to do is it kind of, you lose fluid, so therefore you're increasing um, cardiovascular strain because you're losing um, fluid from the blood, so the heart has to work harder to be able to pump fluid around, uh, pump the blood around. And of course, stroke volume's reduced and cardiac output's reduced. And uh, is a negative um, feeling effect there as well. You don't feel so good. And so we try and prevent this 2% body mass loss um but there is some suggestion that it depends on the sport as well so for runners it's obviously advantageous to be lighter so it may be that you are three percent dehydrated uh, and therefore a little bit lighter but you've got the more negative aspect of being dehydrated but it kind of offsets with the being lighter and carrying less body mass around the course so we're yet to find the optimal sort of level and whether two percent applies across all modes definitely in cycling we see it we've done some really cool work where we've blinded people to whether they're dehydrated or not so we've done a study typically when when you do a dehydration study and you you dehydrate the subject they know that they're being dehydrated you can't really hide it so there's that um perceptual effect so that we call it a nocebo effect where you perceive there to be a negative effect of being dehydrated it's not particularly pleasant to be dehydrated to go through that process so that might have an effect on how you perform but we did some interesting work where we blinded them so that we put a nasogastric tube down their throat and told them well we didn't tell them how much fluid was going in so we were able to manipulate how much fluid was going into them and so they didn't know they were dehydrated and we still saw the negative effects on performance. So, yeah, it, it's, there's, a, there's a threshold of about 2%. And, and once we go past that, then we start to see performance decrement.
0: I suppose kind of on the, on the similar vein of, of that study that you just mentioned, do people start to notice when they are becoming dehydrated? Because obviously we don't know when we're 2% dehydrated, for example. But other than kind of feeling thirsty, are there other effects that we notice?
1: Surf is the big one. Um, but thirst is a, a notoriously sort of poor indicator. It, it's a difficult one to kind of utilize effectively because if you feel thirsty and you have a drink, um, you siate that thirst, the thirst goes pretty quickly, um, yet you still are dehydrated. You, you can siate it with a, a couple of milliliters of fluid. You'll probably start to feel a slightly warmer, which you do during exercise anyway, but thirst is, is kind of the the first the sign, and that's normally about 1%. Um, we start to see that kick in.
0: And I think there's been quite a big drive, uh, especially around marathons and drinking to thirst uh, because of risks of, as you mentioned earlier, exercise-induced hyponatremia. So would you mind just explaining firstly what that is?
1: So exercise-associated hyponatremia is when you drink, um, uh, it's caused when you drink too much fluid. So you dilute the sodium um, concentration in the blood uh, and that draws water into the, into the cells and cause them, causes them to expand uh, and can cause um, uh, brain edema uh, and can be fatal in, in extreme circumstances. So if we drink a very hypotonic solution like water or even sports drinks to a certain extent, and we drink lots of it, we're taking in this very low sodium or no sodium in case of water fluid, which then goes into the blood, is absorbed into the blood, and the sodium concentration that would be in the blood is now um, infused with a lot more fluid and therefore dilutes, and therefore we end up with um, a sodium concentration that is a lot lower than what we physiologically would like. Uh, So typically, sodium concentration in the blood is around around 135 to 145 millimoles per liter. When we dehydrate, this goes up, and when we over-consume fluid, it goes down. Uh, and anything sort of below when it starts dropping below 135 125 um, it can get quite dangerous uh, and there's these cases of individuals that are down at just over 100 or just around the 100 mark when real serious consequences um, so it can be really really dangerous and it usually occurs when participants drink way way too much fluid and this can be a problem in the marathon if they're out for a long time and they think they've lost lots Fluid and they see a drink station every mile. They we think, well, oh, I've got to, got to rehydrate, and so they take on lots of water, some sports drinks as well, and in the end, they end up suffering.
0: Are there any other risks associated with drinking too much water, or is that the main problem that can occur? And obviously, that that is quite rare in the context of of marathons, but it's probably the most serious one that we're aware of.
1: Yeah, so it's it is quite rare. It's not as um, it's not as prevalent as it as it could be, um, but. Because it can be so serious, and it can be quite difficult to diagnose, um, particularly with uh, if you're at a point of care testing in a in a medical a marathon medical field tent, the signs can be very similar to dehydration. So the, the treatments are very very different in terms of the type of saline you might infuse to, to correct the problem. But negative health-wise, that's what happens with overhydration. But then you also have to, uh, uh, a much more common situation is you you just don't feel good. Um, you feel bloated. You feel you're probably slightly heavier from drinking too much fluid. Uh, and so it's just a, a negative perception again. And it's just not pleasant to be opt- to perform optimally. And then obviously in extreme circumstances, you have the risk of exercise associated to
0: And we discussed that if you're not drinking enough fluids and you're becoming dehydrated, that's going to have a big impact on your performance, especially as that increases. In terms of health, are there any impacts to running and being slightly dehydrated, or is it mainly the performance effects that we see?
1: We predominantly look at acute effects on performance. So we'll, we'll put uh, participants in a situation where they're at 2% or 3% body mass loss and, and see how their performance is effective. Long-term, we're not sure the body's pretty good at rehydrating after exercise. Um, we've done some work on kidney health recently Looking at um, some of the biomarkers that are produced in the urine when when the body is put under stress through dehydration, um, compared to a a dehydrated trial, and we've seen uh, acute rises in in these biomarkers that suggest there's renal injury following exercise when there's when you don't drink during exercise. We've seen slight rises at 24 hours, but we are, we've only really done it in in uh, or slight maintenance at 24 hours in one trial, and it returned to normal in another trial that we did um so we're yet to kind of look at well what happens if an athlete regularly experiencing dehydration day in day out um who's training very very hard for, for two three hours a day how does that impact kidney health um the suggestion that there's not many athletes with renal failure long-term renal failure suggested the body is pretty well versed at returning it to return it to a, a a state of normality but it would be interesting to have a look on on how the kidney's functioning day after day after day
0: so there's kidney injury kind of acutely after say a marathon but within 24 hours typically that's starting to resolve and there's no clear evidence that that's going to have a long-term
1: effect yeah so we've we've seen we've done some intermittent work and, and there's been some studies looking at marathon runners as well a lot of that is to do with um Muscle damage as well and the increase in myoglobin, which also affects how the kidney or or markers of kidney injury. So, yeah, there's there's a whole host of factors influencing from a a marathon perspective on on how the kidney functions at the end of the race and potentially the day after.
0: So just kind of thinking about how people can manage their their fluid intake during races. Uh, we we kind of briefly mentioned sports drinks earlier, and I think you've done a little bit of work into sports drinks. So how how do they play a role in managing hydration during events?
1: And um, so sports drinks provide a delivery of. Uh, typically, they c- comprise of carbohydrate, uh, some sodium chloride, so salt, uh, and water. So they're the four, three, three main ingredients. When you're doing a marathon, you obviously use fuel, which is uh, glycogen, and this provides uh, carbohydrate drinks, and gels provide a source of carbohydrate, uh, so we call it an exogenous source of carbohydrate, so you take it in during a run, uh, and that can help maintain blood glucose during exercise, which can help delivery of blood glucose and to the muscle where it can be uh, used to produce energy. They help because they provide fluid at the same time. So you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. You're not getting all of your carbohydrates from a sports drink. Uh, Typically, most sports drinks contain about six grams per 100 mil. So if you were to drink a 500 mil bottle, you're probably getting 30 grams in. But the likelihood of drinking a 500 mil bottle in in a race in in a short period of time is quite difficult. Uh, so for a marathon, we typically recommend about 30 to 60, maybe pushing 90 if you can if you can get that much in. Um, so you're looking at 500 to 50 mil plus a gel or slightly more fluid or two gels uh, to be able to get the recommended amount in. But because they have sodium chloride in as well, they will help on the hydration side in terms of fluid retention. Uh, so the sodium chloride will help retain more fluids. Uh, which will help uh, maintain hydration to, to to a better degree.
0: Have you done any studies that look at uh, perception of hydration in athletes taking water versus sports drinks? So I'm just wondering if people feel like they're better hydrated if they've had that hit of a sports drink that also has the other elements that are probably making them feel a bit better as well.
1: I not think whether we've done anything. I don't think we've done anything directly. Possibly in terms of uh, of your perception of what you're getting. So if you think you're getting a sports drink, you might think you're getting a bit more, you're getting a carbohydrate, you might think you're getting a bit more um, benefits from that. Sometimes because of the flavorings in sports drinks, the palatability is a bit better. Um, so your desire to drink is slightly higher. So we'll see that more fluid might be consumed on a, on a carbohydrate drink than a, than a water drink just because the palatability is, is a lot more desirable. Anecdotally, yes, they probably would prefer it. But you've also got salt in there as well, so you've increased salt appetite during exercise. So you, even though it's very, very low uh, compared to what you perhaps need, um, it, it will be, yeah, probably slightly more desirable.
0: And the other drink that often we're, uh, athletes are having, I particularly have it after a race, is, is caffeine. So I always want a coffee after I've, I've ran. <laughs> um probably not the best recovery drink but it's it's my go-to how does caffeine affect our hydration i suppose before in that lots of people take a caffeine either supplement or or coffee before a race and then afterwards in terms of rehydrating ourselves um what what is the role of caffeine
1: so caffeine was always thought to be a diuretic and it is to a certain it's a little bit but there's been some work recently um a review, I think, um, by Sophie Killer and After You Drop, where they looked at caffeine as a diuretic and, and didn't see too much difference. It might have been in that review or it might have been the work by Afgha You group in Birmingham with um, a couple of other researchers looked at and, and didn't see it as a diuretic. In terms of hydration, it's obviously fluid. So it's good going in. You obviously beforehand get the benefits of, of the caffeine if you take it in the right dose and the right timing beforehand. And then afterwards, there's a, a rehydration. I suppose it it depends on on the composition of it. If it's an Americano and it's it's water, you're getting water in. If it's a latte and you're getting quite high milk content in your in your coffee, then it's a perfect recovery agent. Um, you've got the, <laughs> the <laughs> you've got the milk, which is which is perfectly designed as nature's sports drink for recovery. So the protein and and the carbohydrates in the milk will be will be perfect for afterwards.
0: Unfortunately, I'm Americano, so maybe I need to just switch it up to latte. (laughs) But no, that's a good point. So it's not quite as dehydrating as maybe we're we're led to believe. No. And the other the the other thing that some people go for after a race is is alcohol. So some beers to celebrate afterwards. Again, what role is that playing in terms of helping us hydrate and recover after a run, or is that a definite no-no?
1: I I don't think it's a no-no. I think it depends on depends on what you're doing after a race then. In moderation, absolutely fine. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're doing it in training and having lots of drinks after training constantly, then obviously it's not going to be very beneficial, but a small glass of wine or a beer every now and again is not going to do too much trouble. It's probably it's probably not the best rehydration drink, but then if you've just done your marathon, what do you need to be right rehydrated for rehydrated for afterwards? You've you've done your race, you've got you can spend the next six weeks recovering while you think about whether you are gonna enter the next one or not. Um so I think it's I think it's absolutely fine afterwards. it's It's that social side aspect of it as well and and the psychological side of being relaxed and having a drink and 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 yeah, and enjoying yourself afterwards.
0: Perfect. And the final thing I just wanted to ask about in terms of um things that that we take that might affect our hydration, or I guess in this case, kidney health, were N said, so non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen. There's often warnings when you do races that we shouldn't be taking those as painkillers because of the impact it can have on our kidneys, especially if we are becoming dehydrated. So do you have any comments about that?
1: Uh, N-test is an interesting one um, because runners take it for a a variety of reasons. Some take it proactively to to kind of numb any potential pain they're going to get. Some use it to mask injuries. Some use it as a response to niggles that they've got. The, the ingestion rate can vary quite a bit. We've done we've done some some questionnaire-based work looking at what people take, and it can range from a normal dose to to quite heavy dosages. But yeah, it, NSAIDs are seen as a risk factor for exercise-associated hyponatremia. They they're linked quite heavily with it. Um, a, there was a big study on the Boston Marathon in the early 2000s where it was seen as a as a it was linked as a big risk factor to those who had low serum sodium concentrations. Uh, and we did something at London a couple of years ago where we saw with two groups, those that took NZ those that didn't, and we saw lower serum sodium in, in the NZ group. Uh, it has a downstream effect. So it, it affects prostaglandin production, which can affect kidney injury. So we, we see it from that aspect that it can be even on an acute dose. So an over-the-counter, I think we took 400 milligrams. Um, just before a run with steady fluid intake. So we took on equal to sweat rates and we saw a, a decrease in prostaglandin um, even after that single dose, which has then a, an effect on how the kidney functions. Um, and if the kidney's not functioning well and there's a combination of increased fluid intake alongside that, then yes, there, there is an increased risk of exercise associated with So really,
0: we should try, try to avoid that and maybe stick with things like paracetamol that, we know we're going to have less
1: impact. I think so. I think, as the medic, you, you know how <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the paracetamol and the NSAIDs an impact together. I, I think it's not being over, over-reliant on them and, and knowing that it can potentially cause problems, particularly if you're taking uh, large amounts of NSAIDs.
0: Yeah, I suppose it goes down to why you're taking them anyway because you probably shouldn't be racing if you're relying on taking any painkillers at all um you're probably not in the best shape to be running a particularly a long distance race
1: so maybe that's the answer yeah no um if yeah if you are relying on them then you're probably uh probably should take a break it's hard isn't it if you if, you, if you've got that place in london marathon and you've taken 15 years in the ballot and you've trained for six months it's uh, it's a very difficult decision to say oh a bit of a niggle but if i have this um, Yeah, difficult.
0: And just in terms of of marathon and and training for all all these months and then getting to race day, how important do you think it is to have a hydration plan and actually know exactly what you're going to drink and when and how much? Because I don't think many people truly do that. It's definitely the nutrition that we think about more than the hydration element, I would imagine.
1: I think it's important, but it's very, very difficult. Um, I mean, we take two strategies. We, we kind of take a drink to thirst where you, you drink whenever you feel thirsty, which has its problems in a race where, where drinks are at certain points. So what happens if you feel thirsty in between? Sometimes thirst works uh, and you drink enough to prevent the 2% body mass loss. Sometimes thirst doesn't work and you don't drink enough. Sometimes thirst doesn't work and you drink too much because you're, you're not having problems with it. And the other one is to have a pre-planned approach where you drink enough fluid to prevent a 2% body mass loss, but not so much fluid that you gain weight. So that, that's in the, in the American College of Sports Medicine recommendations for fluid intake. But that is all dependent on your sweat rate, knowing your sweat rate and understanding your sweat rate. And if you take London, for example, um, most people will train from Christmas time up to April. So they're training all through single digit temperatures. And they come to London uh, and they've practiced and they've done their long run and they've simulated their their, um, hydration strategy, worked out that they sweat, say, a litre an hour. So they need to replace so much fluid. And then they get to London and like it was three years ago, it's 23 degrees. And all of a sudden, they're sweating twice as much and their hydration plan is all over the place. And so it's about being quite flexible. Conversely, if they've done Boston Marathon, they trade for Boston Marathon. It was freezing. It was zero degrees. And they needed raincoats and uh, three layers and gloves and hats that year. So a week apart, Monday was Boston Marathon, and it was freezing. And um, the following Sunday was London, and it was 23 degrees. Yet you would have trained in the same conditions throughout the year to go and do these two different races. And yet neither one would have been supported by your hydration plan. (laughs) So I think it's about being flexible. I'm not seeing a drink station and going, I have to have a drink knowing when you feel bloated and know when to stop and knowing that to get a balance of carbohydrates and fluids on board as well very (laughs) difficult
0: (laughs) yeah and I think when you when you're doing a race there's so many elements to think about that you know putting all your effort into one aspect of it can be quite challenging when you're trying to practice all these these other
1: parts of it as well yeah very difficult
0: Perfect. That was really interesting. Thank you so much. Are there any final comments you wanted to to make or or points that we haven't discussed that you think would be important? No, I think that's about everything. And if people want to find any of your work or find out a bit more about you, is there anywhere that um, I can direct them to?
1: Yeah, so you can uh, search on the Loughborough University website. And if you search for my name, uh, Stephen Mears, you'll find uh, my profile on there. And then Sometimes I, I use Twitter. Uh, I mainly use it for getting resources, but I do have a Twitter, Twitter handle, which is at Steve underscore Mears. Uh, sometimes I put stuff up. I'll put some of our work up when we release it. And so it goes on there. Great. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you to Steve for joining me. And as he mentioned, you can find him on Twitter by searching Steve underscore Mears. I'll be back for a few more nutrition episodes and you can keep up to date by finding me on Instagram at MarathonMedic or by visiting marathonmedic.com. Thanks for listening.